Dorothy was married to her husband for over 50 years. One evening as they sat down to dinner, she said, sweetheart, would you prefer the soup or the salad first? I think I'd prefer having the soup first. Oh, all right, darling, just sit down and I'll bring it out to you. During dinner, they continued with the terms of endearment, continued to say, sweetie pie, honey, sugar, all of these beautiful terms. Now, Bob, who was visiting for dinner, couldn't help but wonder how after 50 years, they kept those terms going. So, as Dorothy was getting the desserts ready in the kitchen, he decided, I'm going to go and ask her, because he was curious. He says, Dorothy, I know you and your husband have been married for over 50 years, but how is it that you're so lovey-dovey with him, and how do you just keep calling him all these loving terms? She says, well, you know, Bob, she says, we've been married for over 50 years. For the last five years, it's been like this. She says, for the life of me, I can't remember his name, and I'm too embarrassed to ask. <laughs> If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. The Gospel of Luke chapter 19, and we will be starting at verse 1 going through to verse 10. This is the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. You may have heard of him. And when I think about him, sometimes I think of Mr. Rooms. <laughs> and if you don't know Mr. Rooms, then that's okay. But later you can look for him. And if you can't find him, maybe that's the reason. <laughs> the Gospel of Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 1. And if you are able to stand, would you join me as we honor the reading of God's word? Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too, a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. Let us pray. 
Father, indeed, we thank you for your word, your word that is active and living and sharper than any double-edged sword. And we thank you, O God, that although it was written many, many years ago, it still contains the power to change and to transform. And so, Lord, we invite you to come and to speak to each one of us this morning. May you come and have your way in this place, and may you help us as we are obedient in in responding to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, feel free to be seated. So in this story, we see that Jesus was entering into Jericho. And to understand Jericho, Jericho was a very wealthy and important town. Zacchaeus, who was in Jericho, was a chief tax collector. And in fact, in the Bible, this position is only referred to here in this passage of scripture as Zacchaeus being a tax collector. So it probably was designating a person who was in charge of a district who had other tax collectors under them. So he was the chief tax collector and other tax collectors worked under him. The region was no doubt prosperous at this time, so it was no wonder that Zacchaeus was indeed a wealthy man. He had grown rich. He was very wealthy. But you also have to understand that in Jesus' day, tax collectors didn't have a very good reputation. They were known to cheat and steal and overcharge the people. And in fact, there wasn't very much the people could do about it. And so he was a very hated man. People hated him. People hated tax collectors because they took advantage of them financially and there was nothing that the people could really do about this. So Zacchaeus was hated in the district. In verse 3, it says that he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. There was lots of talk about this Jesus. As Jesus entered into different places, we know that he often taught and performed miracles, and words spread about him like crazy. People wanted to see him. People wanted to see what he was able to do. People wanted to meet him and just touch him, and they wanted to go to him for so many different reasons. You see, Jesus would go and he would help those who were in need, those who needed blessings, those who needed healing, those who needed things, often flocked to Jesus because of the fact that they were in need. But when you think of Zacchaeus, why was he so eager to see Jesus? Why was he so eager to go and meet Jesus and, and want to see him? Was it simply out of curiosity? You see, Zacchaeus had a job. He had a very good position. It didn't say in the Bible that he was sick and in need of healing. It didn't say that he was poor and in need of blessings. In fact, he had more wealth than he knew what to do with. So why is it that Zacchaeus wanted so badly to meet Jesus? Why is it that he wanted to go and to see Jesus? You see, although Zacchaeus had everything that he could ever imagine, he was not happy. He had everything that he could ever want, all the luxuries that other people would only dream of, but he still was missing something deep inside. 
He still had a longing for something greater. He heard about this Jesus who welcomed people like him, who welcomed sinners, who fellowshiped with them, who gave them time, who showed love. And he was so desperate to get the love and acceptance that he wanted. He was so desperate to get that which he couldn't get from his riches, that which he couldn't get from other things. He didn't have friends. He didn't have relationships. But instead, he was lonely, and he wanted to see Jesus. He was despised by all, and he was reaching out for Jesus to love him. Have you ever noticed how children can become so fascinated with a toy. And then as soon as something new comes along, what happens? They drop it like it was never there and they move on, right? They drop it and they forget about it and they move on because they found something else. You know, often in life, we are like that. As human beings, we find something that we feel will will satisfy us. We find something that we feel will fill the voids in our lives. But as soon as something else comes along, we move on to that. The newest thing that comes along, the greatest thing, the better thing. And we feel like we're constantly chasing after something for joy and for fulfillment. So many people are unhappy in this world. So many people are longing for something bigger than themselves, and that's why so many people turn to things like drugs and alcohol and money and sex and multiple partners and looking for this and finding uh, satisfaction in their job and their career and education and different things and material possessions because they're trying to fill the void within. But as Zacchaeus found and as we know, only Jesus can fill that void. Only Jesus can fill that void. Zacchaeus had everything that he could ever want except for a personal relationship with Jesus. And you see, my friends, we can chase after all of the riches in this world, but it's only when we find and encounter Jesus Christ will we have the full satisfaction that only Jesus can give. Everything else in this world is temporary. Everything else in this world will fade away. Everything else will sometime disappoint us sooner or later, but it's Jesus alone that will satisfy and that will fill. It's Jesus alone. And so I wanna encourage you, instead of chasing after riches, chase Jesus. Instead of chasing after the things of this world, chase after him because he is eternal and he loves us more than we understand. He loves us more than we know and he will never, never disappoint us. Amen? He will never disappoint us. Zacchaeus wanted to meet Jesus. He wanted to see him. He wanted to see if he could get that joy that he was missing in his life. If you have not yet encountered Jesus, I encourage you to do so because it's only in him that we find true satisfaction. It's good to have stuff. I have stuff, you have stuff. It's nice to have those things. But if our joy is in those things, then it's a problem. You see, when those things are stolen, when those things are no longer useful, when those things don't work, when it's taken away from us or when it's old or rusted or or destroyed, then our joy is gone. But in Christ alone, we have joy that will last. 
Joy that will continue. Joy that will not be shaken. Joy that will last forever. And that's why Jesus tells us to store up. Don't store up your treasures on earth where moths will eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal, but store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Don't store up the things on earth. How many of you like to accumulate Some of you have told me when you are getting ready to move, that's when you realize how much you really have, right? That's when you're sorting through and you realize, how did I get so much stuff? In my house, I like to throw out. (laughs) I like to purge. I like to constantly be cleaning out papers. And I get upset when I see a drawer full of papers that I know no longer serve a purpose. And so they go in the shredder. (laughs) I don't even read them. They go in the shredder. They're not mine. But I constantly like to clean up. We accumulate so much stuff, but Jesus reminds us, don't worry about chasing after the things of this world that are temporary and that won't last but chase after me because it's in him that we find the eternal things. It's in him that we will build up our treasures in heaven so that when we get to heaven, we will receive that mansion in glory. We will receive that crown of righteousness. We will receive all of those things that he has in store for us that cannot compare to the things of this world. Amen? Amen. In verse 4, it says he couldn't see, and so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Zacchaeus knew that he wasn't able to see Jesus, and in fact, not only was he a, a man short in stature, but the people, because they hated him, ensured that he would not be able to see Jesus. They hated him so much that they made sure that they did not get out of the way to give him a chance to see Jesus. Have you ever tried to get through a large crowd? Or have you ever tried to watch a parade or see something happening and because you're short, it's hard to see? Mr. Rooms, you know what I'm talking? That's right. We're friends so I can pick on him. But you know what it's like, right? Zacchaeus couldn't see. So instead of trying to fight the crowd, he decided that he was going to run on ahead and he was going to climb this sycamore fig tree in order to get a better look at Jesus. Well, it may not seem like Zacchaeus did anything extraordinary. It may not seem like he did anything that deserves to be commended. He simply ran ahead, found a tree that was easy to climb and climbed it. So why would that be such a big deal? It was such a big deal because of the fact that he was so hated. It wasn't that people just had harsh feelings, but it was that the fact that within the crowd and within going on ahead, there was possible ways for people to kick him, to punch him, to nudge him, to push him, to do all of these things. Because you know, if you really are upset with someone and you hate them and you get the opportunity, They were going to take it. And so Zacchaeus could have physically been injured. It was dangerous for him to do what he did. But regardless of what it was, he decided that he was going to go on ahead and he was going to climb that tree. 
For Zacchaeus to be among the people, it was dangerous, but he was willing to do whatever it took to get to that tree to be able to see Jesus. Although the tree climbing was easy, it took courage to get to where he was. And sometimes we encounter situations that try to hold us back, that try to hold us down, that we're fearful that if we try to get on ahead, that something will happen, that try to hold us back in our lives and our relationship with Jesus. Things that hold us back, like our job, our financial situation, our age because we're too young or we're too old, our education because we don't have enough or we're overqualified. Maybe it's our past or our health that holds us back, our physical abilities or limitations, the fact that we're married or we're not married or we're divorced, the fact that we come from a certain culture, country, or, or ethnic background. Maybe it's fear or doubt, depression or anxiety, but there are so many things in this world that will try to hold us back, and there are so many people in this world that will try to hold us back. There will always be people who get in the way. And sometimes we will feel just like Zacchaeus, that we can't see ahead, that we can't get ahead, or we're scared to go because we will get hurt if we try. I want to encourage you and remind you, don't allow people or things to hold you back in life and your relationship with Jesus. Don't allow people or things to hold you back. You see, God wants to have a relationship with us. God wants to bless us with a wonderful life. And oftentimes, it is ourselves who are the culprits, who are the ones who are guilty because we're not getting ahead, because we allow our situation, we allow people to hold us back when Jesus says, just go. I'm going with you. I'm going on ahead of you. Zacchaeus did not allow the people to keep him back. He was determined that he was going to see Jesus and he would not let anything stop him. He didn't care what the people thought. The people didn't like him, but he didn't care. All he cared about was seeing Jesus, was getting to Jesus, was getting Jesus' attention. Now, I want you to understand that it is important that we care about our reputation. It is important that we care about what people think. That's important especially when it comes to certain positions or jobs or if you're a leader, those things are important. But oftentimes, I think that we care too much about what other people think. We care too much that we're so concerned about other people's approval and opinion and what they think that we start to forget about what Jesus thinks, that we start to forget about truly who is the one that we're looking to serve and to worship. You see, when we're in worship, oftentimes we hold back worshiping God because people may say, why are they raising their hands or why are they jumping up and down or why are they acting that way? Don't allow people to hold you back. Oftentimes, people don't want to come to the altar or they feel like, oh, I come too often. People are going to wonder what's going on in my life. People are going to think that I have such a horrible life that there's always these problems happening. Don't allow people and what they think to hold you back from coming. If you want to come, you come. You do business with him. Oftentimes,
oftentimes we don't want to do this or we don't want to do that for the Lord because what will people think or what will people say? Stop being so concerned about other people and be concerned about what Jesus thinks. When we do things, ask ourselves, what does Jesus think? What would Jesus want me to do? What would Jesus expect me to do here? And not what other people, so-and-so and so-and-so. We become so busy pleasing other people that we forget about the ultimate one who we are to aim to please. Don't allow people or things to hold you back in your life and your relationship with Jesus. Going on, it says, Jesus reached the spot and looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. Immediately, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him. Then verse 7, it goes on to say, All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner? You see, Zacchaeus went and he did what other people were trying to hold him back from doing. But he did it. And because he did it, he got Jesus' attention. He got the attention and Jesus said, Today I will stay at your house. I'm going to be a guest at your house. And as other people saw this, they thought, Jesus is going to go to his house? Does Jesus know who this man is? Jesus is going to go and stay and share a meal and fellowship with him? The people hated Zacchaeus. He was a sinner. And the wonderful thing was, was that he was wanting a relationship with Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted a change. He wanted to meet with the Lord. And he was so happy that Jesus said he was wanted to go to his house. He was delighted to have Jesus. But when the people heard this, they were appalled. They were so appalled that they couldn't believe that Jesus would go to this man. Why? Because they were holding his past against him. They were looking at him and judging him by his past. They were judging him by the things that they knew he did, by the life he lived, by the things that he said, by all of the things that they knew him to be in the past. And it's because of that they were appalled that he would, Jesus would go to Zacchaeus' house. They did not believe that he could be a changed man. He did not believe that he could be a changed man. You know, sometimes the hardest people for us to evangelize to are those closest to us. Do you ever find that? Do you ever find that? That talking to your spouse or talking to your children or talking to your brother or sister or your parents or your cousins or your best friends since you've had since kindergarten, those are the hardest people to evangelize to. You know why? Do you know why? Well, I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> it's because they are the ones who have known us the longest. They're often the ones who knew us even before we became a Christian. And even as Christians, they're the ones who see when we mess up. They're the ones who see when we stumble and we fall and see all of the things that are exposed that others may not see. And so often it's the difficultest to evangelize and tell other people who are closest to us how they should live when we ourselves know that they've seen us at our worst. And oftentimes, when we get together with family and we try to hold true to our beliefs and try to hold true to what we know is right, they'll remind us of our past. 
They'll remind, oh, stop talking about Jesus, you goody two-shoes. You remember when you used to do this or do that? Come on, I'm speaking truth here. You remember when you used to do that or take a drink or go out to the club or go down to Caravana and party and do all of these things? You know, and we try to live lives that are pleasing to God, but it's often the people who are closest to us that remind us of who we used to be and think we cannot change. Those are the people who often get in our way. And it was the same people who saw and knew Zacchaeus at his worst, who were appalled that Jesus would come into his home. Does he know the kind of person? You see, Jesus isn't concerned about who we used to be. Jesus isn't concerned about coming to us when we're cleaned up and when we're good and we're ready. But Jesus is concerned about coming and he's concerned about cleaning us up. He comes to us in our mess and he makes something beautiful out of it. He comes to us in our darkest, deepest place. He comes to us when we're at our worst and brings us up to our best. That is the kind of God that we serve. A God who is not waiting for us to get ready, but a God who is willing to help get us ready. Those kind of people were trying to remind Zacchaeus of his past and to hold him back. And we need to be careful not to hold people to their past. Be careful not to hold people to their past. Don't allow someone's past to hinder what they can do in the future. And don't allow other people to hold you to your past and tell you that you cannot change. You see, our past is our past. It's the history, and it's what we learn from and we move on. And it's not our past that determines our future. And so whatever your past may be, wherever you've been, whatever you've been through, whatever you've been involved in, know that just because you've held on so long, it doesn't mean that you have to keep holding. It doesn't mean that you have to keep bringing it along. All of those things that have been accumulated can be let go. Your past does not determine your future. God has wonderful things in store, but you need to let it go. You need to know that he's willing to write a new story in your book, and he's willing to help you to erase those things. You see, I don't know what your Bible says, but when we come to Jesus, he changes us and he transforms us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come come. The new is here and it has come. He is able to change and transform. What was the difference with Zacchaeus from the time that he climbed up that tree to when Jesus met him? It was the fact that Jesus had encountered him. Jesus had encountered him and it's when we encounter Jesus that we are changed and we are transformed. When we truly invite him in. You see, Jesus was going to Zacchaeus' house and he was excited that Jesus was going to come into his dwelling place. He was going to come into his house and there was going to be a change that was going to happen. Jesus says, I am here. Invite me in and I will come in. Have you invited him in to your life and to your heart? Have you invited him in to come and to make that change happen? Because it's when he comes in that things do change. 
In verse 8, it says, Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus took steps to show the community that he was a changed man. He took steps to show them that he was changed. He decided that he was going to give half of all of his possessions to the poor, and the other half, he wasn't going to keep for himself, but he says, if I had cheated anybody, if I had been guilty of anything, I'm going to make restitution. I'm going to give back four times the amount. You see, when you consider the law in Jesus' day, there were certain laws if someone had robbed somebody, if someone had stolen, if somebody had taken what wasn't theirs, there were certain laws to make restitution for that. And it's only if a robbery was deliberate and violent and an act of destruction was a fourfold restitution mandatory and demanded. Zacchaeus did more than was expected of him. He did more to show, you know what, I don't have to give back four times the amount, but I'm going to give back four times the amount because he wanted them to understand that he truly had changed, that he truly was a different person, and that, you know what, those material things don't mean anything to me. Those material things don't mean, Jesus means more to me than those things. So I'm gonna pay back four times the amount. He did far more than the law demanded. He showed by his deeds that he was a changed man. You see, how do we know that someone has been changed? That someone truly is different than they used to be? It's by their fruits that you will know them. It's by our fruits that the world will know us. The fruits that we give, the fruits that we display, the fruits of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control. It's by those things that the world will know us and see that is a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is a disciple of Jesus. That's a follower of Jesus. It's hard for many people to look past the past. It's hard for many people to really understand that despite who they've been, despite where they've come from, that God can use them. But today, I want to tell you that God is able to use any of us. The messiest, the, the worst, he is able to use us. The Bible tells us over and over how God used different men and women simply like us. They were no special. They weren't any different. They were just in a different time, but they were just like you and me, sinners who messed up. You see, Noah was a drunk. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and he was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God and Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt and Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while they were praying. 
Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. Lazarus was dead, and Zacchaeus was too small. There are so many things that we look at in the Bible and say, oh, you know, if only I was like this person, God could use me. These are the people that God used. (laughs) These are the people. So don't tell me that God cannot use you. God can use us all if we are willing and if we are open. He is willing to come in the midst of our mess and clean us up and to change us and transform us. He is able to do that. God can use us. You see, a testimony is worthless unless it is backed by deeds that guarantee its sincerity. We can go out into the world and we can tell people about Jesus. We can go out into the world and we can tell them how they should live and what they should do. But if our lives are not matching that testimony, then it's useless. If we're not living what we're preaching, if we're not walking the talk, then it's useless. It is only when actions become then we see true testimony being given. Jesus desires to see change. Zacchaeus was a changed man, so Jesus saw that and knew, today salvation has come to this household. We too can look to the Lord and know that he will help us. Is there something that you need to look to him for and ask him to help you with? Maybe it's to help you to stop trying to accumulate so much, stop trying to find satisfaction in all the things of this world, but to ask him to truly give you the satisfaction that you deserve and that you need and that you know can come from a relationship with him. Instead of chasing riches, chase Jesus. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to help you Because of the fact that there are things in your life that are holding you back. You know that there are sins or there are bad habits or there are temptations or there are people who are trying to hold you back. Maybe it's your own family. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children or your coworkers or or people that you associate with. Or maybe it's just other external things. But maybe you need to help God and ask God to help you to not allow those things to get in your way because he has wonderful things in store for you. Or maybe you need to ask God to help forgive you of your past so that you can move on and not allow it to continue to define who you are. Or maybe you need to ask God to help you let go of someone else's past, what someone else did to you, what someone else messed up, and because of that, you've been holding on and it's been affecting your life. Today, you can ask him to break those chains and to break those bondages and to look to him and to know he will be able to help you. Whatever it is, whatever it is in your life, remember, you can climb that tree like Zacchaeus. Get to Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we look to you and we thank you that you are the true source of joy. We thank you, Lord, that only satisfaction 
and true joy comes from you. And so, God, we thank you for the different lessons that we can learn from Zacchaeus. We thank you, God, for the way in which he desired to get to you and didn't let anything stop him. And, Lord, we pray that you would help us to exercise our faith, that you would help us, oh, God, to stop caring about other people's opinion of us and to, Lord, worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, may you give us wisdom. May you give us direction. May you fill us, oh, God, with your spirit once again, change and transform us, O oh Lord. And we pray that you would help us to become the people that you desire us to be. And we thank you, God, that no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, you are able to use us for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.